says, Lord, I don't feel like a rock. Peter, you're a rock. Lord, my life is crumbling into pieces. Peter, you're a rock. Lord, I feel like falling away. And he says, no, Peter, you are a rock. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The disciples have gone through a life-changing crash course on what it means to follow Jesus. And a lot of what they experience and learn, they write down what become known as our Gospels and Epistles, the teachings that Jesus taught them, they pass on through the church. And throughout the Gospels, there is an ongoing dialogue occurring between Jesus and his chief apostle, Simon Peter. John MacArthur lays it out well. No one speaks as often as Peter. No one is spoken to by the Lord as often as Peter. No disciple is so frequently rebuked by the Lord as Peter, and no disciple ever rebukes the Lord except Peter. Peter explicitly confesses Christ, and then he verbally denies Christ. Jesus blesses Peter one minute and curses him the next, referring to him as Satan in this passage. And so one of his greatest victories is followed by a crushing defeat. And Simon Peter is the very definition of what it means to be impulsive. He makes promises he can't keep. He doesn't always finish what he starts. He doesn't think with his head, but with his heart. He walks on the water, and then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to sink. He's the leader of the disciples, but he's also sort of their bouncer. So when Jesus gives him the nickname, meaning rock, Peter, he tries to live up to it, and he basically tells people, you messed with Jesus, you messed with me. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, probably surrounded by hundreds of Roman soldiers. When they come to arrest Jesus, Peter gets out his weapon and slices off the ear of the Roman guard. And Jesus has to say, Peter, those who live by the sword, die by the sword. But along the way, Peter learns so much, and God uses him in a tremendous way. Jesus is setting his mind and his mission towards Jerusalem. He reveals the true nature of his mission to the disciples. Behold, he goes up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall mock him and scourge him and spit upon him and kill him. And this is the first time the disciples had gotten wind that this was going to take place. They were used to the victories. They weren't ready for the defeats. And so Peter takes aside the very man he's just referred to as God when he says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He takes him aside and rebukes him and says, Far be it from you, Lord. 
you've given me the keys to the kingdom, so I'm going to lock up this plan. You think about the audacity of what it is to rebuke God. And Peter does it. We, we can't quite imagine exactly what that's like, but on a human level, that would be somebody telling Thelma Robertson she needs to be more faithful in church. I mean, there's just some things that you just don't say out loud. And yet Peter does this anyway. Many of us who would never say something like that out loud say it every day by the way we live our lives. It's not just that we sin, but that we continue in sin, even after the Spirit of God convicts us, thinking that we know more than God knows, thinking that our way is better than His way. And Peter thinks that he's doing the right thing. He doesn't realize it, but to stop the work of God will send the entire world to hell. And to try to stop God's working in your life means cutting off the very one who sustains your life. And who but knows that the suffering God is allowing you to go through one day might be the very experience that will save your soul. 1950s, Parker Brothers came out with a Christian alternative to Monopoly. The game was called Going to Jerusalem. Anybody ever play Going to Jerusalem? Be careful about raising your hand, you'll date yourself. It was a little bit different in the way that it was played. You had to answer questions in the Black New Testament provided with the game. You always started in Bethlehem, and then you would go to the Mount of Olives, Bethsaida, Capernaum, the Stormy Sea, Nazareth, and Bethany. Your, your character wasn't a, a hat or a wheelbarrow. It was one of the disciples dressed in a robe and a staff and with sandals. And if you rolled the dice well, you went all the way to the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But in this game, you never get to the crucifixion or resurrection. There's no angry Pharisees or demons. You just make your way through the nice stories. And I'm afraid sometimes that's what the Christian life becomes for many of us. Maybe to a younger generation that grew up watching Veggie Tales and some of the great moral themes that are taught there. Have you ever seen Bob the Tomatoes blood splattered? Have you ever seen Larry the Cucumber beaten? You say, well, kids shouldn't see that. We don't need to put that out. Yet that's exactly what happened to the one we call the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, some of we've gotten the idea that suffering doesn't need to be a part of my life and I ought to do whatever I can to avoid it. And Peter thinks if he can help the Lord avoid suffering, he ought to do that very thing. But what happens is when he tries to hinder the suffering mission of Christ, Jesus responds to him with some of the harshest words in all the Bible. He says, get behind me, Satan. Get out of my way. Man, I've been called some bad names in my lifetime, but nobody's ever called me Satan. The very disciple who's just been given the keys to the kingdom realizes that he's hopelessly lost without the maker of those keys. Jesus knew what Satan's voice sounded like. It was the voice that drove Adam and Eve out of paradise, that tempted the sun in the wilderness, the voice that, if heeded, ushers in hell. Now, that voice is still around today. It says, why do you give so much of your time to ministry in that church? You know it's not worth it. The person who's the constant thorn in your side that seems to know every known complaint in human history, you know they're right, don't you? 
That echo inside your mind that secretly wonders whether you'll ever be enough and why even try. How many people have caused lasting damage to the kingdom because they set their mind on the things of man rather than on the things of God? Listen, you will either be God's instrument or you will be Satan's tool. You will be the mouthpiece of the Lord or you will be the spokesperson for the devil. And sometimes you will be both of those things on the same day. Peter confessing that Jesus is the Christ and then trying to stop the mission of the Christ. And there's an interesting parallel that takes place through the Scriptures. Peter's given name is Simon. That's what everybody would have known him as but Jesus refers to him as Peter, Rock. He gives him this nickname and the surname. And whenever Jesus is rebuking Simon Peter, he refers to him as Simon. Whenever he's encouraging or telling him that he's right, he calls him Peter. And it's interesting because sometimes as Simon, he's in the flesh, and sometimes as Peter, he's in the spirit. And at one point, Jesus will say to him and the other two in the garden, could you not stay awake for one hour? Watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God building His church on sinful human beings like you and me. I want to encourage you in this. Sunday school teachers, readers, whatever you do in the church, understand this, you need to bring your A game. Be on time for what you do. Study your lesson hard and study it well and know it. Because Jesus is worth it. He's worth receiving the best of everything that we have to offer. But don't ever think that the power rests in you. Because the very one who's just been given the keys is the one who's trying to stop the mission. Jesus knew Peter's faults long before he chose him, and yet he still used him. And when Simon Peter reaches rock bottom, when he denies the Lord, publicly, what had to be the lowest point in his entire life, Jesus brings him back into the fold. God always brings us back, reminding us that the power is not in ourselves, but in Him. My pastor growing up was at our home church for, for 57 years as, as pastor and served in a lot of different capacities. And one of the things that he was really gifted at was just speaking into people's lives. And it was interesting because he would often call out character traits in people that weren't there right away. But he'd say publicly, you know, this person has been so faithful. I'm like, this person hadn't been here in two months and you're calling them faithful. Or this person is, is so humble. And I'm like, I know if they're a person of pride. I heard them bragging before the service. You know, things like that. You, you would think this isn't true, but it was funny. Because as he would begin to describe people in that way, over a period of time, they would begin to transition into just that type of characteristic. They would become faithful. They would become humble. And I hesitate to, to share this because it's, it's, it's very personal to me, but I remember traveling with him regularly for visiting, for funerals, for, for weddings, what have you. We were together quite a bit. And he would say to me over and over again, he would say, Barry, there's, there's so much greatness in your life. I knew better. He would say that over and over again. And I don't know if anything came out of that, but I'll tell you what it did for me. It made me desire 
to be great because he would emphasize what greatness is. Greatness is serving the Lord. Greatness is serving others. The two most important phrases you can learn are please and thank you. You understand that the world doesn't owe you anything, so don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder. What he spoke into my life was what I wanted to become because he believed in me. And here is Simon Peter falling away from the Lord, and Jesus keeps saying to him over and over again, Peter, you're a rock. He says, Lord, I don't feel like a rock. Peter, you're a rock. Lord, my life is crumbling into pieces. Peter, you're a rock. Lord, I feel like falling away. And he says, no, Peter, you are a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And just a few months after his greatest defeat, Simon Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he says, you men of Israel... Know that this God whom you crucified is alive and well today. He came to save His people from their sins, and if you'll repent, He'll save you too. The prayers went up, and the Spirit came down, and 3,000 people got saved on that day. And God used Simon Peter like a rock. He does the same with you. At one point, Jesus says to Simon, right before the crucifixion, he says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And then he says, but I have prayed for you. Whatever struggle you are facing, God may be using it so that you can become more like Him. And even in your darkest hour, the Holy Spirit is working. Jesus says, I pray not for the world. I pray for you. That you may do the work that I have called you to do. Paul reminds us in Colossians, rather than setting our affection on the things of the earth, we are to set our affections on things above. Not on the things of man, but on the things of God. And so what happens when you begin to shift your focus from the things of man to the things of God, from the temporal to the eternal, God begins to work. And how do you do that? From the challenge that Jesus gives us, this threefold challenge, He says, first of all, we do that by denying self. Peter taught Jesus this lesson before in the washing of his feet as the disciples were arguing in the upper room over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus performed perhaps the lowliest task in the ancient world. And really denying yourself is simply dealing with the circumstances of life in a godly way. Saying how can I react to this and how can I give glory to God even in the most difficult of circumstances? Paul said, whatsoever state I am, I've learned to be content. And the reason that he's learned that is because he realizes that his life doesn't belong to him anyway. Neither does yours. It belongs to Jesus. That means I don't always have to have the best seat. I don't have to have the primetime parking spot. I don't always have to be the first person in line. Because it's not about me, it's about the Lord. He says, denying self, and then he says, by taking up the cross. And this is where John 21, 18 gives the mission of Peter specifically. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, speaking of Peter, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish, signifying by what death he would glorify God. See, in the Scripture, bearing one's cross isn't simply difficult circumstances or personal hardship. We all like to say we have our cross to bear. <laughs> oh, friends, we have no idea what that cross is like. 
And that's the whole lesson that Jesus teaches Peter. Die to self and live for Christ. It's a literal death to self, dying to your will and taking up God's will. And so later on in his epistles, Peter is going to urge believers to be humble, to suffer well, to submit to the authorities so that they might set a good example for them and for others. Here's the interesting thing about it. Peter was none of those things before. He wasn't humble. He didn't suffer well. He didn't submit to the authorities. But God got a hold of him and changed his life. And tradition has it that at the end of Peter's life, as he was about to be killed for the cause of Christ, he asked that he be crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. And when God got a hold of his life, the man who was crucified upside down turned the world upside down. Not only is the way of the cross the Lord's way, it's also the path for the disciples. They lay down their lives for the Lord as their Lord had laid down His life for them. To the outside world that says victory and conquest is the way to have it, that doesn't make any sense. That's where Jesus will tell us through Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. What the world looks at as silly, God looks at as good. He tells us to deny ourselves, to take up the cross, and then to simply do it by following Jesus. This is what Peter says to Jesus later on in Matthew 19, verse 27. See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus says to him in Matthew 19, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or lands, for My name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first you try to gain the world, you'll lose your soul. But you lose the world, and you gain your soul. Everything that you are trying to protect in your life, you will lose in the next one, apart from Christ. Whatever that is, so many of us, our great problem is that we're trying to build our identity on something besides Jesus. Whatever that may be. Then Paul comes in and he says, what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. That is, the things that I used to think important aren't nearly as important anymore. Those who take up the cross in Jesus are rewarded at judgment. Those who do not are cast out. And then Jesus says, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. It's referring to, I believe, the very next chapter, the transfiguration, when Jesus comes in His glory. And God says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The constant warning in Scripture is you do not know how long you have. Life is a vapor, the Lord says, so teach us to number our days. And you and I must determine each and every day whether we will live for the cause of Christ and be the instrument of the Lord or whether we will live for the cause of self and be the tool of the devil. We must decide with our words and our actions whether we will be the mouthpiece of God or we will decide whether we will be the spokesperson for the devil each and every day, nay, each and every hour is a choice in that. But even when we fail, 
the rock of Christ is able to pick us up and to set us on solid ground. So the message today is where is your grounding? Where is your foundation? Are you all in for the one who was all in for you? Simon, you're a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus believed in Simon and he believes in you. If you'll trust him. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at veryefields.com.